Well, good evening. I hope your um, Sunday was slightly less hectic than your Saturday. Certainly was for me. Um, and, you know, as is always appropriate on these sorts of occasions, I'm going to start with a dad joke. Or at least we'll talk about a dad joke because it's one of the best ones. And I think everybody here has been subjected to it at least once. And it goes like this. There's dad waiting at the front door calling out, let's go, to be met with the inevitable, coming. To which the only reasonable response is, of course, to say, so's Christmas. And that will, of course, endear dad to the family even more and no doubt making the leaving process much faster and more efficient. And, of course, the genius of this joke is that it's always true. Christmas is always coming. But... Christmas is coming. In fact, I don't know if you've still got a chance tonight, the shops are probably open late, but there's only eight shopping days to go till Christmas. So if you count today and if you're willing to um, shop on Christmas Eve, you've got eight more chances. And I would be amazed if there's anyone in Australia that doesn't know that Christmas is coming. Uh, And we need to get ready. This time of the year, You're bombarded by Christmas advertising. It's in the newspaper, it's on the TV, it's on the radio, you get it in your emails, everything you open on the internet, it's in your letterbox, it's always in your letterbox. Everything's about Christmas and, of course, Christmas sales. And we need to get the house and the yard ready, especially if you're having people over. We need to get food organised. We need to make sure we know where we're going on the day. We need to have presents ready and we need to get them wrapped. Public spaces and even the front of some people's houses are covered in bright lights and tinsel. Something is definitely happening and we need to be ready. There's an air of expectation at this time of year and everything seems to spin faster and faster until we get to the 25th of December. So what is it that we're waiting for? What do we need to be ready for and are we prepared? Well, actually, today we're going to look at Isaiah 40, and Isaiah is a book that's all about waiting and being prepared. There's a good reason that the church keeps going back to Isaiah when preparing for Christmas, because he has a running theme through all 66 chapters of waiting for the coming one. And there are some really good poems in um, Isaiah, like the one we had in chapter 40 today. Chapter 11's pretty good and actually pretty much every chapter from 52 to 66. They're all filled with hope and they all look forward to reconciliation. And Isaiah doesn't want us to be confused. He's 100% clear that it's our God who'll be the one who's coming to save his people. And at the end of um, chapter 40, verse 9, he declares, here is your God. So, Nice as it is to have all this, why did Isaiah feel the need to write so many chapters about God and the hope to come? Well, to go back for a little context, our reading from Isaiah 40 today started with what word? Anyone? Comfort. Thank you, Reverend. (laughs) Let's find out why the people of Judah needed comfort. And, And another test coming now. Does anyone know what chapter comes before chapter 40? 39, excellent, we're all on board. Chapter 39 is not a fun chapter. In a nutshell, God tells Hezekiah, Judah's last king, as it turns out, that everything he has will be taken away to Babylon, including his family and including all the people. Chapter 39 is about a terrible day of judgment on Jerusalem and the last remnant of the people of Israel. 
It actually looks like the end for Israel. There's no nation, no land, and now no people. Then, in chapter 40, God declares that Jerusalem's penalty is paid, and so a poet, a herald, is dispatched to announce the good news that your God is taking the initiative. So we need to understand that between chapter 39, which anticipates loss and deportation to Babylon, and chapter 40, which anticipates redemption and restoration from Babylon, there's a long moment of history. In this gap between the texts have come the destruction of Jerusalem and the deportation of the people of Judah. The gap between these chapters is weighed down by the reality of loss, suffering and despair. And I think there's probably people here who understand loss, suffering and despair. And I'm sure there's people in the community of Oran Park that understand those things. This gap that Isaiah in all the chapters up to 39 has been telling us about but is now silent about is the key to understanding his poetry. This gap is actually the connection between displacement and restoration. And this is the fundamental message from Isaiah, that the judgment of God is real, but not ultimate. It's followed by God's will for restoration that will follow according to his plan. And in case we aren't sure what God's plan is, Isaiah gives us his summary just a few chapters on in chapter 55. Verse 6 to 9 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. And as if to answer Isaiah's questions here, he says, well, my, and how it's going to occur, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so back to today, the people of our world are under a serious threat. Whether they know it yet or not, everybody is headed to a terrible day of judgment. Most people do their best to simply ignore the danger, but some feel deep inside their hearts that something is wrong. Some people already know what it is to live with loss and suffering. Some are yet to experience it. But we have been given good news for the entire world. And that's that God is for us and is coming to save us. Our God wants us to tell everybody about his salvation to all of the lost in Oran Park, the greatest southwest, and to the ends of the earth. And Christmas provides for us the best opportunity to do this. But we need to be prepared. We need to be ready so that, as it says in Isaiah 40, chapter, chapter 40, verse 3, we can prepare the way for the Lord and make a highway for our God. And you might know that in this verse, it's picked up later in Mark's Gospel, and after quoting Isaiah, Mark with typical brevity says, And so John came, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So for us to prepare for our work at Christmas of bringing the good news to the world, first we have to listen to John the Baptist and repent. And it's always fun when the preacher stands up the front and says, repent, isn't it? But my purpose, like John's, 
is not to make people feel guilty, but to point us to the coming one and to be ready. And what does repentance mean in practice anyway? Well, to help us through, here are the three R's of repentance. They're not reading, writing and arithmetic, but recognise, receive and reform. First of all, we come to recognise. We recognise that we'll never live up to God's expectations. We'll never be good enough. We'll never realise perfection this side of heaven. Which means we need to receive forgiveness from God and we will receive it when we ask for it. God knows that we will sin. That's why he sent his son. Because of Jesus, our sins are no longer held against us. God holds no grudges. He keeps no record of wrongs. When we put our trust in Jesus, we receive total, unconditional forgiveness. And in response to recognising and receiving, the final R is reform. We need to be constantly reforming our lives. This means that after we've been forgiven for being impatient, we become patient. After we've been forgiven for being angry, we become gentle. After we've been forgiven for our greed, we become generous. After we've been forgiven for our lack of compassion, we might become compassionate. After we've been forgiven for self-righteousness, we become more tolerant and welcoming. Not because we have to, but because we want to. And these things might take a lifetime. But we come to worship not for what we can get out of it, but because of the things that we can offer to it. And none of these three R's are ever finished. They're part of our journey of faith. We'll always recognise our imperfection. We'll always be receiving God's forgiveness. And we'll always be reforming our lives. So let your Christmas preparation be a time filled with more than just advertising, shopping, bright lights, empty Christmas cliches and tinsel. Caring and sharing and family and giving and charity are all good things, but not just for Christmas, all year round. And let's just add one more R. To prepare for Christmas, let's take time to rejoice. To rejoice that someone has come and is coming. Someone is coming. Jesus is coming. So let's prepare the way for the Lord. Now that we're prepared and we've prepared ourselves and we're ready to have an answer for the hope that we have and with Isaiah as our guide, let's look at God's call to fearlessly point to Jesus and proclaim, here is your God. Back in Isaiah 40, verse 9, it says, You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Now given that Christmas is coming and when you hear this text, does it bring to mind the shepherds who saw God's heavenly host and heard the angel of the Lord proclaim in Luke's gospel where it says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is good news. The saviour that Israel had been expectantly waiting for since Isaiah dared them to hope 600 years before was finally here. 
The shepherds said to one another, again in Luke, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The shepherds responded to the good news of their saviour's birth and they didn't linger to finish what they were doing. To finish the shopping, to wrap the presents, to finish school, to pay off the mortgage, to get to retirement. They left everything and hurried to see the saviour. So let's ask God to move us to respond like the shepherds so that we can rejoice in seeing our God laying in a manger for us. And what did the shepherds do after they worshipped Jesus? Well, Luke tells us that when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Of all people, it was the shepherds who took over from Isaiah by telling other people the good news that the angels had told them. Unafraid of what people might think or who they might offend, they went around proclaiming the news, here is your salvation, here is your God. Just like Isaiah back in chapter 40 verse 9, you who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain, you who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout, lift it up, don't be afraid, say to the towns of Judah, or Oran Park, here is your God. Now, I've done what we all seem to want to do at this time of the year, and I've jumped straight into Christmas. But those shepherds aren't the fulfilment of Isaiah's text, because we are. God wants us, his church, to proclaim his gospel, his good news, loud and clear. We're the ones whose job it is to bring good tidings. And last night at the carols, we did an excellent job of doing just that. And whatever the reasons that all those people had for coming to the Orange Park Community Carols, we clearly pointed to the manger and said, here is your God. But we might think, I'm not really qualified to do this. I can serve at a carols event, but otherwise I don't have the gifts and training to talk to people about God. What if I mess things up? What if people think I'm crazy or just laugh at the things I say? Well, the answer's right there in verse 9 too. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what people might think or what you'll say. Be like Isaiah and like the shepherds. Let the message you heard from God compel you to tell others. Let that thing that you've read in Scripture move you to proclaim the good news and invite others to come and see the Lord laying in the manger. And just as it was with the shepherds, not everyone will listen. Not everyone will like what you say, but you can be confident that the Holy Spirit goes with you as you proclaim his word. According to the Lord's own promise, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. The shepherds didn't change into suits and appear to be something that they weren't, and they weren't educated. They just went as they were. So when the time comes, in Matthew 10, it tells us that we'll be given what to say because it says, for it will not be you speaking but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Here is your God. That's our message to Oren Park and to the world. And he's a fearful and powerful king, but he's also a tender shepherd who's come to rescue his lost sheep. So in chapter 40, verse 11, it tells us, he tends his flock like a shepherd, he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. 
He gently leads those that have young. The Lord didn't come that first Christmas to judge mankind, but to save it. He came to live the perfect life that we couldn't live and to suffer and die as the sacrifice who would take away the sins of the whole world. He came to rescue us, his precious lost lambs, and carry us back to God. As Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. That's us. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You and I know why Jesus came at Christmas, but the rest of the world doesn't. And it's our job to share the good news. Now you could say something like, Come, see your God, your eternal shepherd, who's laid down his life in order to pay for your sin and rescue you from the power of the devil. Come and celebrate his birth with us. Hear and believe his word and you'll be carried close to his heart and held in his fatherly arms. He came on that first Christmas to be our gentle shepherd. He's coming again as our most powerful king. Or you could just say, hey, do you want to come to church on Christmas Day and let God sort out the rest? But I want you to notice something tucked away in verse 10. Verse 10 of Isaiah 40 says, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. When Jesus came, he came at Christmas with power, but his power was hidden from the world, wrapped up in the humble packaging of human flesh and blood. Not even a grown man, but a newborn baby. But there is a veiled warning here from Isaiah 2 that when Jesus comes again, he'll come with power and might, revealing his full glory to all. On the day his father's appointed, Jesus will come again with the gracious reward that he's won for us through his life, death and resurrection. He'll come to welcome believers into the perfect paradise that even now he's preparing for us. And he will judge all people with justice, showing his final victory over sin, death and the devil. The Lord wants us to proclaim this message too. When we point to the manger and say, here is your God, we only give half the story. The Lord also wants us to point ahead to the day when Christ will come in his full glory. So we should say, here too is your God. Don't let him come as an enemy. Repent and look to Jesus for forgiveness so that King Jesus may come as your friend. God has given us an awesome message that he wants us to share with our family, friends and neighbours. Point to the manger and tell them, here is your God who was born to be our good and gentle shepherd who laid down his life for us, his lost sheep. Point them to heaven and tell them how the sovereign Lord is coming again in awesome glory and power to deliver anyone who trusts in him for salvation. And let's also pray that the Holy Spirit moves everyone that we might invite to worship to respond like the shepherds on that first Christmas, to meet the coming one that Isaiah told us about, to come to the stable with us and worship our God for his great love. Because Christmas is coming, Jesus is coming.
Amen. Oh, questions. Question and answer time. How I've been looking forward to this. Does anyone have any questions? Not even an easy one. Well, if you're too shy to ask questions now, very soon it'll be Care and Connect time and the really hard ones you can write down for Stu to answer later on. All right.